Good morning, everyone. My name is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio tucked away somewhere beneath the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you for joining us. It is Thursday, October the 5th, 2023, and I'm actually uh, not in Colorado for today's podcast. I'm in uh, the great state of Oklahoma for the Prophecy Watchers uh, Prophecy Summit. And really looking forward to the conference today. I've uh, been setting up this morning with uh, some of my uh, uh, colleagues down there. And just every time we unloaded a box of books from some of the speakers, I just got more and more excited. I wish I could attend all of the sessions, uh, but I'll be doing uh, a couple of sessions myself. Uh, but uh, here with Mondo Gonzalez, Billy Crone, Tom Hughes, Brandon Holdhouse, Mark Hitchcock, Bill Koenig, Bill Salas, who was on the program earlier this week, L.A. Marzulli, everybody loves L.A., myself included, Dr. Nathan Jones, Pete Garcia, Don Perkins, on and on and on, Ryan Peterson, Dr. Randall Price, um, just, a, just a wonderful slate of speakers. If you're at the conference, so come by and see us at our Not By Works table. would love to say hello, have you meet. Wendy and the rest of the family. Um, but uh, we've got Randy on today. Now, I know we normally do our world events update on Wednesdays, but because of my travel schedule and also because of the uh, big, much uh, ballyhooed uh, emergency alert system that was tested yesterday nationwide, we thought we'd kind of get that behind us and do our world events update today so that we can get Randy's take on it and some of the insights on what he's hearing and uh, what that was all about. I know for our family, we were on the road traveling across Kansas on our way to the Prophecy Watchers Conference when the alerts went off and uh, we were, uh, you know, interrupted. I was listening to a podcast and the kids were doing what they were doing on their devices and all of a sudden the alert goes off. So we'll bring Randy on here in just a moment and I look forward to hearing what he has to say about that as well as everything else that's going on. First time in history, we've removed a Speaker of the House from his uh, position uh, or her. And uh, so that's big news and uh, not sure what to make of all of that, but I can guarantee you it's not about what it's about because that's always the case. But before we begin, I want to uh, take a look at a passage from Genesis chapter 50. It's the last chapter in the book of Genesis. And I had a lot of windshield time yesterday, about 10 hours on the road, and was just thinking uh, about what God has done in our lives lately and just his goodness and his grace and how thankful I am. You know, when you're driving, which we've spent half our life on the road, it seems like you just you have a lot of time to reflect and your mind kind of wanders. And I was just thinking about our journey and, and how the Lord has brought not by works to where we are today. Uh, it was a slow start. You know, we started this ministry back in 1999 as an auxiliary part of my academic a career. I was teaching full-time at the college and seminary levels for about 11 and a half, 12 years, and um, started the ministry. And for the first many years, it was just basically a website and a place for students to go and get uh, supplemental notes and hear, some hear a repeat of the lecture. We would post my classroom lectures there. But over time, as we grew and expanded, and I started writing and uh, getting invited to speak different places, uh, we left academics and went kind of full-time with NBW Ministries. And really the last 10 years, it's just been an amazing journey as uh, we've done our best to stay faithful to what God has entrusted to us and uh, watched as he has blessed this ministry beyond measure and allowed us to get the gospel out clearly, accurately, and urgency, which is uh, above all else, our, our real goal 
I love talking about all sorts of theology, especially end times prophecy. I love interacting with people, love to write, of course, love to speak. But more than anything else, what really makes my heart dance is seeing people come alive to the gospel, seeing them clear it up in their minds. They may already be believers, but they begin to understand uh, that uh, it is simply by grace through faith, not by works, and they really begin to embrace God's matchless grace. Uh, but I also, of course, love seeing people that don't know the Lord come to faith. And so um, thank you for your prayers for this ministry. But as I was thinking, you know, a lot of times when you're just kind of thinking and, and, and remembering past times, and as I said, reflecting on your journey, you think about some of the, the, the tough times too. And we've certainly had our share of those. We've had seasons of life where we've come under attack uh, for various reasons. You know, ministry is not for the faint of heart. And um, we've, uh, I believe, because of our stand on the gospel, taken some some flack along the way. I remember one time early on in ministry, uh, one of the elders at a church I was at uh, told me during an elders meeting that uh, I care too much about the gospel and not everybody cares about it as much as I do and that I shouldn't be such a stickler about the gospel and uh, that was a kind of a watershed moment. We left about three months later from that church. Uh, and then we've had others. I served uh, uh, not really, I guess it was, I was the pastor, but it was really a, a, a non-traditional role. We were living up in the mountains uh, remotely, doing not by works travel and and uh, doing some writing. Uh, and uh, we were serving at a sort of a fledgling church that had not uh, really come together with the bylaws or constitution, didn't have a building, but it's a group of people in a remote part of the Rocky Mountains that wanted to worship together on Sundays. And I was privileged to be kind of leading that. But as we began to put together our constitution and bylaws, I quickly learned that there were very few people in that church that held to a conservative view of scripture. And uh, two of the guys that they ended up kind of selecting to be on the leadership team, one of them was out there on Facebook uh, celebrating the LGBTQ movement. The other one repeatedly told me after almost every sermon that I he doesn't like that I reference the Bible so much and that I we shouldn't put out gospel tracts to visitors. We lived in an area where there were a lot of uh, uh, vacationers coming to, to snow ski. And so every Sunday we were the only church in the area. Um, and so people would come out and uh, we, we, I love to put gospel tracts out and we had a lot of visitors each week. And this one, this other elder, the other of two, um, repeatedly told me that, you know, the Bible's not clear and I shouldn't say that it's clear and everybody disagrees about it. And why do I always talk about the Bible? And so that, that was the culture we were in there. And again, the Lord called us out of that. Uh, and uh, we've been at Plum Creek now for our, we're in our fourth year, and what a blessing it is. And I think back on those times, and I was reminded of the story of, of Joseph, who, I mean, we don't have to rehearse all of the unfortunate things that happened in his life. Most of you remember the story, sold into slavery by his very own brothers, um, falsely accused when he was serving in Potiphar's uh, court, and uh, on and on and on. And yet, ultimately, he remained faithful through it all, trusted the Lord, and at the end of his life, his brothers uh, reunited with him, and they fell down, the Bible tells us, and wept at his face, realizing that he was now at that point in a position to really exact revenge on all they had done uh, to him, and they said, we beg you, uh, please forgive our trespasses, forgive what we've done to you, and it, if you if you read the whole story, 
uh, of Joseph's life and especially the the things that his brothers did to him, it, it, it seems kind of just uh, small and simple of them to simply say, please forgive us. But uh, Joseph's response is, is one of the most gracious moments that we, we see recounted in scripture where uh, someone has the opportunity to be vengeful and yet shows mercy. Joseph says, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God? For as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive because God had put Joseph in charge there in the land and in Egypt and uh, had, he used his wisdom and uh, God's revelation to him to help prepare the land for the, the famine and so forth. So, but I love that phrase, you know, uh, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day. And as I think about our journey, and hopefully this is prompting you to think about yours, uh, even the hard times, even the times that make you kind of cringe a little bit and and, and those tough memories, uh, we need to remember that God is always at work. He's working everything together for his purpose. And I wouldn't be at Plum Creek Chapel today, <clears throat> but weren't for some of the heartaches that we faced as a family. And if it weren't for uh, some of the challenges that I faced when we lived up uh, really remotely in the mountains with those uh, those people. And week in and week out, uh, we tried to just preach the word of God and preach the gospel. Certainly, as I think back on it, I made my share of mistakes. Uh, you know, we, you know, it's tough when you feel attacked, you get defensive. And so I probably uh, didn't help myself in some instances, or, you know, responding incredulously to some of the comments of some of the leaders there. But nevertheless, I can see how all of that was part of God's plan to lead us to where we are today. And really the last three or four years of NBW Ministries has just been amazing. And, you know, but it, as you recite your journey, you also remember that ultimately God gets the glory. He's in charge. And who knows if the Lord tarries is coming, we could face some more attacks and we might have more lean times. We're not entitled uh, to anything. We just want to stay faithful. So just remember, folks, as you think about all that's going on in the world and all that's going on in your life, uh, no matter what the motives of evil people may be, God is still in charge. And we don't want to take matters into our own hands. We want to remember that we're not in the place of God, as Joseph told his brothers, but uh, we want to let God be God. And we want to just stay faithful uh, to him. So I hope that encourages you today. Again, that's from the latter part of Genesis chapter 50. Uh, so we covet your prayers. Before I bring Randy on, we are, as I mentioned, in Norman, Oklahoma for the uh, Prophecy Watchers Summit. The Imminent Return Summit is what we're calling it. Um, fantastic uh, weekend planned. Uh, I'll be speaking twice, once on Friday, once on Saturday. Uh, if you're here, come see us. You can also, it's not too late to purchase live stream tickets. It is the best money you will ever spend. Uh, of course, that's not that's not something that goes to not by work. So I'm not sitting here pitching that just uh, to help our revenue. We're doing it because I if I wasn't speaking here, I would be purchasing the live stream ticket to hear all of these other speakers myself. So you get, uh, I don't know what it costs, but if you click on the link at notbyworks.org, it'll take you to the, uh, the conference website and you can sign up. But what's nice about it is you get six months or so to watch the video. So even if you can't watch each session live on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, you can come back at any time in the next six months and watch them. And I know it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, the following Sunday, Sunday, October the 15th, I'll be in East Texas 
in the greater Dallas area, about an hour or hour and a half or so from Dallas at Flint Baptist Church. I'll be speaking three times on issues uh, from uh, the new book, Spirit of the False Prophet, Rise of the Global Technocracy. In fact, that's what I'll be speaking on both of my sessions this weekend here in Oklahoma. And uh, so if you're in the Dallas area, come see us out at Flint Baptist. We've already had a few emails from folks saying they're going to make the trip out there and can't wait to, to meet you. Um, we are growing our premier membership, the MBW premier membership. Our first Zoom session by invitation only just for premier members is set for Tuesday, October the 10th. And uh, that's going to be a fantastic time as I just interact with you. I'll give you a report on the conference this weekend uh, and kind of give you some behind the scenes insights and the things that went on here. And I'll take your questions. It'll just be an intimate time of uh, talking and visiting with you there. Um, so if you're interested, go to notbyworks.org and click on the store button and you can read all about our optional premier membership. I think it's a small monthly fee or you can pay an annual fee refundable at any time, but I know you'll enjoy that. And we also give you some exclusive content, some things that we'll be posting just for uh, Premier members. And uh, so check that out. While you're on the store, you can download some of our free content. We've got lots of new articles posted. I posted an article on the new heavens and the new earth recently. So that's available for you. Uh, I think there's uh, quite a bit more. We just added some stuff on the Olivet Discourse. So all of that's free. Uh, and so we wanted to encourage you to check that out, and uh, hopefully that'll be a blessing to you. Um, okay, with that, uh, we're wrapping up the week. I've got one more um, podcast scheduled for tomorrow. I'm going to be rerunning a podcast that I did several months ago with Dr. Tommy Ice on debunking myths about the rapture. I've got a little opening uh, that I'll mention tomorrow, kind of uh, a few things, but uh Already this week, we've had Mondo Gonzalez on. I had Lucas Doremus on talking about alternatives to mainline technology. The highlight of the week for me, anyway, was Bill Salas, and that was uh, yesterday, uh, the future war prophecies. I, I really love that man, gracious man. Uh, really uh, appreciate his research, and it really challenges you to dig into the Word of God. But today, it's time for our world events update. One day delayed. So if you were worried, hey, did the world fall apart yesterday? Where were JB and Randy? It was Wednesday and we didn't have our World Events Update. Well, here we are. So Randy, uh, welcome back. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks for adjusting the schedule a little bit. How's life in Colorado today? <laughs> well, life so far is really good. There's nothing happening. Nobody's up yet. And so, you know, it starts out for a perfect day, right? Yeah, you are up early. Uh, it's earlier there than where we are, an hour earlier to be exact. But uh, but yeah, so uh, let's talk about uh, World Events Update. You want to start with the EAS testing system? Yes, I think we will. You know, we all get excited about the government and what they're going to do, and we all worry about what they're going to do. I mean, we go back to... Uh, the year 2000, when we had all the computers that were going to, you know, not be able to function, and we all got excited about that. What yesterday showed was several things. First off, the government is the most inept group of people I have ever met in my life. They're going to send out these warnings. They're going to come through the TV. They're going to go through radio. They're going to go through your cell phone. All right. So I covered up some of my stuff, protected it, left some of it out. We got a television warning. There was nothing by phone, nothing by radio. 
And then I went ahead and pulled a bunch of people that are on the email list. And I find that the ones that use their EMP bags took precautions like they would with uh, some kind of an EMP attack. They received nothing. There was nothing, no tones, no message, no nothing. So we know some of this stuff can be prevented and um, protected, I guess I should say. Now, in an EMP, I don't know if they would work or not because this is a simple signal over many frequencies, completely different than an EMP, but it's nice to know there's still some privacy. However, in polling a bunch of people, this is what I found out, and this worries me a little bit. There are certain areas that when they had their phones, TV, and radio on, uh, nothing happened. And I was doing a little charting last night, and it concerns me because they're all within 30 miles of nuclear missiles. Now, we have some up in North Dakota, some in Montana, some in Colorado, some in Nebraska. Uh, I myself, I had a TV alert and nothing else. But it concerns me that if we had an actual attack, are they going to warn the people around the missile silos that we have incoming missiles from another country? I don't know. It's unusual that those areas would have no message whatsoever. Also leads me to believe that the government's probably going to use yesterday's test as an excuse to do this again. Hmm. Now, I don't know if they're going to give us any kind of a warning or not, but they're going to do it again because they want to get everything working. But I also think they have um, they're using this to refine some of the information they've taken with their aerial surveys. They're going to use it in the future. And we've discussed why that might be before. So we won't go through all of that again. But, you know, don't think it's over because it's not over. Because I found out during the test, you know, a day or two before Cheyenne Mountain and NORAD over in uh, Colorado Springs had been practicing blocking out GPS signals and some Russian. And evidently, they um, also blocked out some of the United States. GPS satellites. So I know there's a war coming. I know it's going to get really bad really soon because I looked at all of the maps. I looked at some of the aerial photos this morning, bright and early, I might say. And I will tell you what, Russia is massing a force on their uh, western border, eastern border of Ukraine. Uh, Putin's basically been given an ultimatum. You either get this done before winter or we need somebody else in your place. Now, I would imagine the Ukraine in the situation they're in right now, they should probably surrender, but they won't because Biden says we're behind him 100 percent. We're good. We are unwavering and we're going to get it done. Well, the Ukrainians have about 50,000 men left in their army. Uh, they have lost 500,000 dead, 1.2 million injured. Some of these with, uh, you know, limbs that have been amputated. What they have done is basically wiped out much of a generation in Ukraine. Um, they are now compelling younger kids, women. I saw a guy yesterday with no legs. They are compelling them to serve in the military. Hmm. And they're not giving you a choice. They're basically rounding you up, putting you on a bus or a train, and away you go. Now, it's really interesting, the guy with no legs. I'm going, what, what could he possibly do? But Evidently, they think they can use it. Um, it's going to be about, I think we've got six weeks left before winter gets there. And so Putin has very little time. 
but I noticed there are new railroads being built to ship the material and the troops and armor from Russia into Ukraine. I see that the Belarusians are on high alert. Uh, the Chechens are also in Russia doing the dirty work. And so I have a feeling we're going to see something very soon. Um, I would imagine Putin goes, go ahead. Yeah, let, I'm sorry. Let me just interject. I want to kind of give my re reflections on what you said about the test. So first of all, absolutely, like all government tests, so to speak, it 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 demonstrated that uh, we don't always have it all together. Um, and but what what I always look for when I try to interpret these types of things is whenever we see firsts, and this was clearly the first in a long time of this type of nationwide test that affected phones and television and radio and so forth. Uh, they do do it periodically, you're right, but it sort of begs the question, why now? And also, given the state of technology today and the advancements that we've seen with 5G and with fiber optics and those types of things, it really is a, a noteworthy to me that it, that it didn't go off uh, seamlessly, that there were some uh, issues. And it's just a reminder that you can't always rely on, you can't ever rely, you might say, on the government uh, to kind of help you and, and warn you. But what's interesting is some other uh, first, Russia, of course, was testing its own nationwide defense alert system as well. Uh, we also had Russia doing a nuclear uh, test. Um, we've seen Russia's military budget rise by 70%. Uh, that's a report. Uh, that I saw on World Affairs Brief. Um, and so there's just a lot of things happening all at once that indicate uh, these are unprecedented times. Of course, what's going on in our own politics with the ousting of Speaker McCarthy, um, first time ever in the history of our country that they've done that. Uh, it just kind of makes you wonder where is all of this uh, headed? But one of the reasons I think those folks uh, like yourself and others that put their phones in uh, out of commission or put them in a gun safe or put them in a, you know, a Faraday bag, didn't receive the uh, test is because indeed when your phone's off, you're not going to receive it. And by the time you turn it back on, uh, it's come and gone. So um, in a conventional sense, again, let's, let's dream for a second. Let's assume that the government is benevolent, that they only want what's best for us, that they're here to help. Um, they the idea would be they want to notify as many people as possible when there's some kind of danger or disaster. And so most people have their phones on all the time. And so that would catch the, the largest number of people. I think because so many people are skeptical about ulterior motives and what the government might be trying to do, a lot of people turned their phones off. Uh, so, you know, they didn't get the alert. Uh, I don't blame them one bit, honestly. Um uh, I wanted to leave mine on because I kind of wanted to see what it said and kind of how it what it looked like. But, uh, uh, Randy, do you think that, you know, those that didn't receive something could be simply because they had their phones off? Well, some of them that we talked about basically had them tucked away and protected like we had suggested. The ones that I'm talking about, the military base did not take those precautions. Mm -hmm. Their TVs were on, their radios were on and their phones were on, just like mine were. Um, so the thing is, either their system is terrible or they're going to use it again for something else. And I tend to believe it's probably not the best system ever, but they're going to be doing something else. Because when I look at the aerial surveys, I look at the um, people that are known to be um, here illegally from China and Russia. There's something going on. We know there is. We just don't know what. 
Now, you brought up the Russians. Uh, if you compare our test to the Russians, the Russians are sounding sirens. They have their media alerts like everybody else. They actually had loudspeakers giving directions. Uh, you look at all of the um, shelters that they're building. You look at where they're positioning all of their armed forces, and you know something's going to take place. Now, the United States, we have no nuclear shelters whatsoever for the general populace. We have some for our government, of course. We give them sat phones. They have places they'll be evacuated to. But it makes me wonder if indeed we would be given any warning at all if something was amiss. Um, we would probably be further ahead listening to foreign media than we would our own because I remember my days of the fire department many, many years ago. They told us there will be no warning in a nuclear launch when we were handling the civil defense portion of our job. They said it would be too much of a cluster. More people would die because they're out on the road. They're trying to run for groceries. And I think they may still have that very same outlook. Don't know. We'll see if they do another test. We'll see what their results are. But don't put a lot of stock and ever knowing something's going to happen before it happens. Yeah, and You're don't, believe, don't necessarily right believe what they say either. I mean, you have to walk that fine line. I mean, obviously, you know, not everything is a conspiracy. There are real things that happen. If there's a big sign on the freeway that says road closed ahead, you know, you 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 can probably, you know, you, you, you want to pay attention to that. You don't want to assume, oh, that's just a government lying to me because you might barrel over a cliff into a river. So, uh, you know, I think we have to use common sense. But the, the big takeaway for me is be prepared yourself. Uh, those that can think for themselves, that that are willing to, to, to think analytically and navigate through a, a problem and a, a crisis uh, using common sense are going to be way ahead of those who are just sitting around sitting on their hands, waiting for the government to tell them what to do for, for multiple reasons. But I think the simple, the simplest explanation for what they're doing here is they, they know something's coming, they meaning the Luciferians, maybe not everybody at every level of government by, by no means, but the people at the top that are pulling the strings, they know something's coming and they know they're going to need a way to communicate with as many people as possible to, to get them to do what they want them to do, head for the shelters or shelter in place or wh whatever it is, hunker down. And so they needed to test this system and make sure they can do that. And uh, so now they've done it and we'll see w how or if or when they they use it uh, in the future. But I, I believe they will. Well, I wouldn't put it past them to say after an attack, hey, we did everything we could. We were testing. We were doing what we could. Unfortunately, it happened before we were done. I would that wouldn't surprise me at all uh, with the people in power. Let's face it. They're in there for themselves. And we are just kind of a secondary thought in their mind, even though we um, pay for them. Um, I noticed that California now has a black lesbian senator from Maryland. that's going to replace Dianne Feinstein. You know, that's fine with me. My question is, I always thought you needed to live in the area that you were going to represent living in Maryland representing California. I don't know. I see a problem with that. She has no idea what her constituents go through, what they're about, but yet she's a member of the Senate. Now, one good thing I will say about McCarthy being replaced, and I have no problem with him being replaced because too wishy-washy. Nancy Pelosi is no longer going to have her hidden little office. 
she's going to have to live like the rest of them do. And I think that's great because she'd been very privileged for very many years. And I think if she'd have known that that was going to happen, she probably would not have run for re-election, to be very honest. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, I thought that is the right point. Yeah, I, I, to me, that is a bright spot. Uh, yeah, and of course, her, her answer when she was uh, told that she was going to have to give up that private office was, well, the, the Republicans let Denny Hastert keep his secret office for quite a while, you know, blah, 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 which I wish I would have been the one she asked that question to, because I would have said, well, yeah, and Denny Hastert's in jail now. So so let's not use him as, a, as an example, uh, Nancy. But yeah, the whole thing just stinks to high heaven. And by the way, it makes for great theater. You know, I love the role that, you know, Jim Jordan and Matt Gates and all these people are playing. They're great. They ought to win Emmys. Um, but don't get wrapped up in it and think that somehow this is you know, real. It's all for show. And uh, it doesn't matter who they put in. Now they're talking about putting Trump in. I don't even know how that works. I thought you had to be a member of the House to become Speaker of the House, but maybe not. Um, but it's all just good theater. It's interesting. It's uh, fun to watch, but it's not real. Don't forget. Well, Trump being Speaker, I mean, I, I don't know who comes up with this bizarro stuff. But yes, they're elected from the House of Representatives. There's no spot for him to move into. So I don't know who's who's proposing that. I don't know what kind of a theory they're using, but don't get your hopes up. He's not going to be speaker. While he is busy going back and forth to trial, that'll be the last thing he does. Um, you know, I look at everything that he's undergoing, and it makes you wonder if this is all for show or if he really does present a threat to the Democratic Party. Um, I don't know. That, you know, I feel sorry for the guy. But of course, when you do certain things, there are ramifications. And he's finally finding that out. And I'm sure on his way to being rich, but not near as rich as he thought he was, I'm sure there's probably a lot of things that have taken place that weren't quite on the up and up. And so, you know, whether you're Democrat or Republican, if there's a penalty to be paid, then it needs to be paid. Fair yeah, is fair. What, what really frustrates me about all that is that every one of them has done things that deserve consequences. So you're absolutely right. Decisions, choices, actions have consequences. But the way the system works is they only hold people accountable when it's politically expedient to do so. So, for example, everybody knows that you know, I'm not a fan of Trump. I, I did a deep dive into researching him way back in 2015 and 2016 and discovered what he's really all about and, and how he's just a pawn in the game. But nevertheless, it, it's stunning to me that we've created a banana republic where because you disagree with your political opponent, you can have them arrested multiple times. And yet here's uh, Biden on the other side of the aisle who's done you know, just as bad or worse, maybe not worse, but certainly just as bad of things and committed just as bad of felonies. You know, he's, you know, let's let's face it, Trump and Biden both have they, they've buried bodies and they've paid off mistresses and they've engaged in all kinds of tax and financial fraud and um, immoral activity, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, in Trump's case, you don't make billions of dollars in the porn and gambling industry without kind of getting your hands pretty dirty. But nevertheless, Biden is just as bad. And yet so far he's become you know he's come through it unscathed and that's because the the people that are really in power they they keep these books on you and as long as you play the game and play the role that they want you to you're fine but the minute you step out of line then they'll bring the hammer down on you so um 
don't assume that because someone hasn't had charges filed or faced consequences of some kind that they're clean. It's just that the powers that be have not chosen to make an issue for them yet. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one thing I can say is the United States should probably um, anticipate the draft being reinstituted sometime after the election next year. Um, recruitment's down about 20,000 personnel for the Army, 7,500 to 15,000 for the rest of the branches. Uh, we don't have enough people to do the job. So look for the draft to come back, although I don't think it will happen before the election. Now, overnight, Mr. Biden has decided we need to build the wall at the southern border. So he is making that a priority and he wants to get it done now. And my question is, why now? Why now when he's fought that, the Democrats have fought that for the last three years, why now do they want to get it in place? There's something behind that. We know there is. We'll find out probably as the days go on. Um, again, there's 6,000 at least people coming through from the South across the border every day on the Darien Gap alone. That doesn't include the ones that are coming in through Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, etc. So I was listening to a couple of people talk about this last night. It's anticipated that there are three to eight million illegal aliens in the United States. They said the realistic number is 27 million. That is a huge increase from the three to eight million. I don't know for sure uh, why they'd be dumbing down the numbers, but they are. 27 million would make a lot more sense because when you start looking at the major cities, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, they're starting to have 10 cities. We look at Arizona, New Mexico. We look at Texas. They have a mess. Um, you know, I don't blame those governors for shipping those people off to another locale. Uh, thing is, though, we're giving them benefits. We're paying them a monthly stipend. We give them health benefits, et cetera. My question is, the economy is going down the tubes. How are we going to afford them here in a couple months? You know, we're going to have tent cities with, what, a bunch of terrorists because we can't give them anything. We don't have the money. I mean, so everything is just upside down. Some of them are trying to write it, supposedly, but I think the ship is done. The, um, you know, we talked about the economy quite a bit last week. I will tell you right now, it is getting worse, not better. The banks, oil, retail, wholesale are all taking it on the chin every day. The bond rate is going up, which is extremely bad news because the people that purchased the bonds when they were 0%, 1%, 2% are losing money. They're going to want to get rid of those, but to get back in, they're going to be paying 5%. Some of the analysts are saying they could go to 10 or 20%. Now, like we've talked in depth before, this economy is done. It's just Something's got to happen or somebody's going to pull the plug and then we're going to realize it. But come January 1st, if nothing's happened, when the BRICS nations get their act together, uh, we can look for a change in our living standards in the United States very, very quickly. Now, some of the things that are taking place, um, there's a really large um, ship line called Maersk, M-A-E-R-S-K. Uh, Tom Hanks was in a movie a few years ago where one of those ships was hijacked and they played through, showed what happened. 
But the problem is they have signed contracts with the Chinese. Up until now, they were the main bread and butter for moving the Pentagon's troops, heavy material, etc., tanks, trucks. So now there is no backup. So now, except for aircraft, there is no way for the United States to get their material to Europe, Asia, anywhere else. Um, you know, we're spread so thin militarily in every area. Uh, if a war breaks out, we're going to be in trouble very quickly. There's just no doubt about it. Um, the Congress now has a bill, it's H.R. 5403, and that basically is set up to ban CBDCs in the United States. All I can say is um, good luck with that. That is not going to pass. And again, it's just basically another waste of time, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. And by the way, speaking of that type of thing, uh, I saw Canada just uh, started talking about creating a, a registry of podcasters. <laughs> like in order to in order to do a podcast, you have to be registered with the Canadian government. Uh, that's what they're trying to trying to do. I mean, this is just uh, you know a steady march toward a total planetary tyranny. I mean, that that's where we're headed for sure. Well, and the good news is, since you brought that up, we'll jump over to that subject for a minute. Europe now has a law. It's called the Digital Services Act. They are going, Europe has taken it upon themselves to police the internet. They are going to look at the content. There's going to, they're going to decide who does and does not enjoy um, your space there. Uh, they're going to control Bing, Google search, and um, they're going to have everything checked by their trusted laggers is what they're calling them. So if you're on Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, etc., everything is going to be monitored. Now, it's European right now, but they're working with the FTC and they actually have an office. I believe it's in L.A. or San Francisco. So we're going to be going to the same thing. They're going to look at everything that is spoken. They're going to decide if you can continue, if you deserve to be kicked off, fined or whatever. So the freedom of speech thing is done. It's just a matter of time. It won't be long. All right. Robots. Let's talk about AI for just a second. We now have Agility Robotics that uh, basically has robots building robots. Hmm. Now, that should be really interesting because once you get people out of there and these robots are working together, um, I don't know if anybody's going to be able to supervise them because they're going to be installed with AI. AI probably is going to be doing a lot of thinking for itself and it's going to um, probably cause problems they haven't anticipated yet. Um, Jamie Dimon from JP Morgan is instituting AI over a larger group of people in his company, and he's trying to reduce the workday for people down to three and a half days. Uh, basically, he's going to be letting, letting the robots do the um, equity hedging, uh, they're going to be doing a lot of the uh, white-collar jobs. Um, he's trying to institute it because they're dependable. They don't take breaks. They don't get sick. They don't take vacations. So he wants to get as many people replaced. And as Shane had mentioned before, we're going to lose hundreds and thousands of jobs. So people will be starving, but we'll have robots doing the same thing. 
Mr. Musk has a new generation of Starlink. Uh, the last four satellites that he launched into air, and I don't remember where they were at for sure, but now they're using lasers instead of broadcasting everything to a earthly base and then back to other satellites, they're communicating in between themselves. And since they can communicate between themselves and they're using the lasers, they can put out 800 terabits per second of information. That's 800 million megabits, which is, you know, that's faster than anything on earth has been developed or probably will be for quite a while. The nice thing is it can work with all of the high-speed computers, the quantum computers. And um, it's interesting that he put that up right before the FEMA test. So what I'd like to know is that interlink with what was going on and the information that was gathered, because it um, looks to me like it's a little suspicious that he's converting all of that. But since he's turned over Starlink to the U.S. military to use as they need or want, I think we'll see a lot more taking place on that end very soon. Um, he's, the guy's a genius, but I got to tell you what, the Chinese like him, the Russians like him, we like him. Somewhere, there's a problem there. I, I, I see problems, but for the sake of the podcast and not wanting to be sued into oblivion, we'll just <laughs> leave it at that. And everybody can make their own, own decisions. 41% of Europeans believe that one should be able to travel outside of their locale four times in their lifetime. In other words, people are using too many resources. This is it. Take your four trips. Once they're over, you're done. So you're staying home. Well, here's the problem. Two-thirds of the Generation Zers still get help from their parents. 40% still live with them up to age 32. Uh, they've never been more than 30 miles from their birthplace, and they tend to settle back after they get done with schooling or whatever with their parents or in the immediate vicinity. Now, I remember when I was 18, my dad said, all right, it's time for you to get on your own, come back anytime, but you won't be living here anymore. And he was right. I didn't. And I'm glad I didn't because there is a life out there for those that, um, you know, want to make it and, you know, get on their own, which they should be doing. All right, moving right along, Armenia, Azerbaijan, that is now almost a full-fledged war. They are fighting back and forth. The 120,000 Christians that were basically cut off now are running for their lives. There have been many killed, many wounded. Uh, Russia's decided they're not going to be helping Armenia. The Iranians are backing the Azerbaijans. And, um, you know, this all works into Putin's plan because he has control of Georgia with Armenia and Ar Azerbaijan basically fighting. He will move in there. And then he's got a route from Russia right down to Iran, which he's going to need for the future wars. So it won't be very long before um, Gog Magog is totally set up. It's going to be a lot faster than most, pe most people assume, but it's going to be um, slowly, 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 then all of a sudden. Yeah, speaking okay. of Azerbaijan, uh, I was noticing this in my research for my message on Yuval Noah Harari, which I'll be giving on uh, Saturday here at the Prophecy Watchers Conference. Uh, but uh, this week on uh, Monday, 
Uh, you all know Harari was the keynote speaker at the 74th International Astronautical Congress, which was held in Azerbaijan. And uh, what's interesting about that is the International Astronautical Congress, AIC, uh, according to their own website, is a platform that brings together united in the face of global challenges and ready to explore the untapped, uh, brings us together, ready to untap, to explore the untapped potential of space for the benefit of humanity. So now Yuval Noah Harari has got his fingers into space exploration. I mean, it's unbelievable how far and wide this guy goes, but uh, yeah, Azerbaijan very much uh, right in the thick of things in the globalist agenda. Well, what really surprises me is so many people want to listen to him and to Klaus Schwab. I mean, these guys, um, they're not pioneers. They're just off the wall. And everything that they want and they profess, basically for the elite is great. For the rest of us, useless breeders, breathers, or whatever they call us, um, it's not going to do us any good at all. Now, 75,000 Kaiser Permanente employees walked off the job the other day for three days. They don't like their living conditions, their pay, et cetera. Uh, we saw that get real close with UPS, FedEx, and USPS will be next. Um, thousands of jobs are being lost every day because of AI, automation, et cetera. But for those of you that are worried about it, I want you to know there is a dating app called Bumble. It has instituted AI, and that's going to supercharge, they say, love and relationships. So I don't know exactly how it's going to do that. I don't think I'm going to download it and look at it. But, you know, if you're lonely well, by yourself, hey. I'm not sure a dating app that is artificial is really that much of a change from all the existing dating apps, which are pretty, pretty artificial. They may <laughs> not use AI, but I'm not sure that's that big of a departure. <laughs> well, yeah, yesterday I was looking at some of the new robots that are out with AI. They are getting very close to, they closely resemble an actual human, which is a little bit scary. I mean, when you stop and think about it, all right, so we start dating women robots, population, we will depopulate and the world would end. And I don't know who could afford them at a hundred grand a piece. You know, that's some expensive dating. I got to tell you what. Yeah, I talk yeah. about that in the new book uh, about how guys are flocking to these embodied AIs. And uh, it's just it's just stunning. It really is uh demonic when you when you think about the worldview that most people have and the way satan has masterfully kind of steered everybody into this realm of non-reality it is and it seems to go with warp factor five i can't wait till shane does his uh, next podcast because every time he does one it gets just a little bit more uh, out in the sci-fi you know we never thought we would see this stuff and it kind of gives me the creeps but it's it's fascinating i like them watch it um, there is an electric battery plant in Kansas making electric batteries for vehicles. Now, it uses so much energy in the manufacture of those batteries that it actually has to have a coal-powered power plant to supply it. And that is uh, hard to believe, but it requires 250 megawatts of power to use. And this is in DeSoto, Kansas. And right out in the middle of nowhere. So if it blows up, no big deal. But I'm going, so we're using coal for the electric. Makes no sense to me. 
Yeah, it's, oh, it's so hypocritical. By the way, speaking of Shane, I don't know if you heard, uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to you this week. I've been so busy getting ready to go and then driving up, uh, driving uh, over here to Oklahoma. But we talked about doing a podcast with the three of us, if you'd be willing, uh, kind of a joint podcast to talk about AI specifically as it relates to the military and warfare, kind of kind of drawing on both of y'all's uh, expertise to, to reflect on some of that. So hopefully we'll be scheduling that if you're willing in the next uh, couple of weeks. Of course, but you really do want to freak them out, right? I mean, there are things they're going to go, we really didn't want to know about that. But, you know, I think it'd be fun because between the three of us, uh, we probably know most of what's out there, at least made to the public. And so if we go to jail, we'll all go together. That'd well, be okay. After two years of working with you on the podcast, Randy, I my point of view is if you didn't freak us out, we'd be disappointed. Yeah, we feel, I feel like, I feel like well, that, that podcast was a dud. I mean, I tell you what, every time we talk, it's just like uh, more and more uh, stunning revelations here. But uh, that's all right. We know who's in charge. That's right. Now, just to make you feel even better, OpenAI uh, from ChatGPT is keeping a blacklist of websites and podcasters. And it's not supposed to do that, but it has this left bias that basically, if it doesn't like something, it keeps that in its memory, and it will deflect viewers from your website. Uh, also, probably wouldn't doubt that it might make up things that weren't actually true. You know, Breitbart, Zero Hedge, Epic Times, they're all on there. And I would imagine if we look far enough, you probably are too. So, you know, we're all on the scope. We'll just um, get it over with sometime and just be done with it. Now, Student loans. Uh, for those of you that took out student loans and paid it back, you know, I don't I don't know. Maybe we should have waited because Biden was specifically told by the Supreme Court that he couldn't do it. But he has forgiven another nine billion dollars in student loans. That brings up one hundred and twenty seven billion that he has forgiven. In other words, these people will never pay another dime, which Somebody had to make that money to loan that money. So somebody's out of that money. Makes no sense to me at all. It affects uh, 53,000 people, but it still leaves a student loan debt of $1.6 trillion for the country. So I don't know how he decide who gets it, and who doesn't, but. Well, we've entered a, a new era. And by the way, this isn't just Biden. This goes back to the pandemic and Trump and we're governors and presidents can just wave their magic wand and do whatever they want, contrary to the law through these executive orders. And what strikes me as odd about that is if you or I decide to thumb our nose at the law, especially these unconstitutional laws, if they start saying you can't use this kind of speech or you can't talk about this or you can't criticize the government, if we chose to thumb our nose at the law, we'd be in jail. But these uh, presidents and people in power can just completely run roughshod over uh, the Constitution and the laws, and there seems to be no no recompense. Yeah, and Washington is getting to show that more every day. I mean, the things they do blatantly illegal, but they get by with it. But, you know, it is a sign of the times. Now, for those that want the sunglasses that can video, take photos, whatever, Meta and Reband now are having a set of these produced. They're AI-powered, and you can have five different colors of sunglasses. You still look like a nerd and a dork, but <laughs> you can have these if you want them. I looked at them yesterday, and I'm going, who in their right mind would wear them? 
You walk around and people are going to go, oh, you got the glasses, so get away, get away, right? Makes no sense. No there sense are some people that might be an improvement for. I, I don't know, you know. <laughs> yeah, and there are some people I can't imagine they would misuse it at all, right? Oh, no. All right, the only thing I've got otherwise is NATO is saying we are done with the Ukraine because we have no more ammunition. We are running out of money and we are going broke. We are taking the actual weapons that we're sending, taking them from our stockpile, not a warehouse, but our stockpile we would use for a war. So I don't know what Putin's got up his sleeve, but it's coming. It's coming fast. And um, people just better prepare because the shortages for food, for oil, everything are going to be exacerbated once that starts. And then we'll see the dollar collapse. And with all of this other baloney that's going on as far as them testing the radios, TVs, uh, all of the other stuff, it's a sideshow. I think our two biggest things here are the Russian war and the economy. I think those things are being distracted from, but both are going to affect us and affect us quickly. And I don't think they want us to know how dire it's going to be and how fast it's coming. Yep, it's cake and circus, no question about it. They're, uh, you know, they're just trying to distract us with, uh, with all this stuff. But uh, Randy, uh, as always, great job, uh, kind of bringing us up to speed on a few of these things. I'm thankful that, uh, you know, we haven't seen any massive, you know, end of the world as we know it scenario yet. I'm looking forward to the, the conference this weekend. Looking forward to the two messages that uh, that I've put together. I hope it uh, really uh, challenges people and wakes people up. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for, for taking time and, and adjusting the schedule this week. And we will hopefully be back on a regular schedule next week. I'll still be on the road, but uh, we'll shoot for Wednesday as usual and get back to our regular schedule. But, uh, but folks, I'm going to, I'm going to run, uh, got to get back downstairs and help with the setup and get ready to, uh, to, to for this uh, conference that kicks off uh, tonight. Um a couple of quick reminders, uh, spiritofthefalseprofit.org. Please send that website to as many people as you can. Uh, the information in the new book, Spirit of the False Prophet, Rise of the Global Technocracy, is very relevant, very uh, cutting edge in terms of uh, the, the information uh, and the newness of it. Some of it's from you know late August, <laughs> headlines from late August, and the book just came out September 1st. Uh, so uh, getting a lot of great feedback. Thanks for helping spread the word about that. Um, again, pray for us as we travel. Um, I'm on the road here with Wendy and with uh, Brooke and Zoe, as well as my son Landry and my one of my uh, daughters, uh, Abby. Uh, so we're uh, just kind of looking forward to meeting people. If you're in the at the conference, come by and say hello. It's not too late to sign up for the live stream. Just go to prophecywatchers.com or you can get there through our website at notbyworks.org. Well worth the price of the live stream to be able to see all of these great uh, speakers like uh, Billy Crone, L.A. Marzulli, uh, Mondo Gonzalez, uh, you name them, just a who's who. And I'm privileged to be a part of uh, part of the group. Uh, so otherwise, uh, I hope you have had a chance to check out all of the podcasts from uh, earlier this week. And uh, don't forget, we've got a, a podcast tomorrow that I know will be a blessing to you uh, as I replay my discussion with uh, Dr. Thomas Ice on debunking myths about uh, the rapture. If we can help with anything, don't hesitate to reach out 1-800-895-1851. And above all else, you know, as we talk about some of these uh, things that are happening and the trajectory all being 
negative because uh, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's the god of this age. The whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. We want to remind you that uh, it's really a spiritual battle fundamentally. And uh, as we pick up new listeners all the time or as folks forward these podcasts to their friends, I know that there may be folks out there listening to the sound of my voice that don't know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. Well, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there's only one uh, hope of eternal life, one way to solve man's sin problem. Uh, everyone is a sinner in need of a Savior. The penalty for sin is eternal separation from uh, holy God in a literal place of torment called hell. Uh, God made that very clear uh, to us. And so, but God loves the world so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, to die in your place and my place on the cross so that anyone who believes in him uh, can have their sins forgiven and be given the gift of perfect righteousness. So I hope you'll place your faith in Jesus today. He said in John 6, 47, these are the words of Christ himself, truly, truly, I say unto you, whoever believes in me has everlasting life. Have you trusted in Christ today? I hope so. Randy, God bless you, my friend, and uh, we will talk again soon. Okay.